The reading is taken from 1 Peter 2, verses 4 to 12, and can be found on page 1218 of the Church Bible. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone, and a stone that causes men to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires, which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. A useful thing that has come out of our discussions on the building project in recent times has been the bigger question of what is our vision for the church? What are we here for? What are we trying to do? What is important to us? What is different about uh, LCBC from other churches? Martin came up with the idea of using the, uh, the church window to present different aspects of our vision in a very visual way, and I think people um, found that quite helpful. So the um, elders and deacons suggested it might be useful to have a couple of sermons on, on vision. So today and next week we're going to be looking at this particular issue. It won't be your uh, normal uh, expository sermon on one passage of scripture, but um, we'll be based in 1 Peter, looking at the passage which uh, Liz read out earlier, but um, dotting around a bit and thinking practically how we can apply what the Bible says to our situation here. This morning I'll be focusing more on vision in the context of mission, and next week Jeff will be looking at vision in the context of church. Now with him being away this week, we haven't had much chance to compare notes Um, So hopefully there won't be too much uh, repetition, or um, worse still, contradiction. But um, I should say, this is still a work in progress. I'm not presenting it that this is the vision for LCBC. Um, It's hopefully stimulating further discussion, um, which might then lead to to action. And for visitors here this morning, I hope this won't be too uh, inward-looking, but uh, that you would um, get an insight um, into the people we're trying to be by by God's grace at work in us. Well, the question we need to start with is, who are we? What is our identity? And right at the centre of the window is the person who gives us that identity, Jesus Christ. It's what we think about him 
that defines us as Christians. It's what we think about Jesus that defines us as a church, that um, makes clear who, who we are. And it's what we think about him that de- determines our eternal destiny. Our beliefs about Jesus are contained in our, our statement of faith, which you can find on the website, um, which we ask all new members to, to agree to, so that we are clear about what it is that holds us together. We can avoid all these ish- then distractions on secondary issues. And when I say what we believe about Jesus, I don't just mean a particular statement that is headed Jesus Christ, because all of the statements in that are in some way related to Jesus Christ. Um, probably the most important one being what we believe about salvation, how Christ saves us. Let me just read that particular statement. Salvation is entirely a work of God's grace and cannot be earned or deserved. It has been accomplished by the Lord Jesus Christ and is offered to all in the gospel. God in his love forgives sinners whom he calls, granting them repentance and faith. All who believe in Christ are justified by faith alone, adopted into the family of God, and receive eternal life. Some great truths in there, aren't there? So if that is who we are, those who who believe in Christ, who've uh, enjoyed the, the benefits of the gospel, why are we here? What is our purpose? Well, we have a church mission statement that's there in smaller print in the, in the middle. Uh, if you can't read it, it says, to see unbelieving people become committed followers of Jesus Christ. I must admit, I find that statement a bit narrow because it refers very much to our relationship with others and not so much to our relationship with God. And in our verse for the week, which um, I read out earlier, that comes from a passage from 1 Peter 2, the church is described as a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And what that, that captures is this dual identity of a people who belong to God, who are a, a royal priesthood, who in other words exist to worship God, to declare his praises, but who also are a holy nation, a, a people who have been set apart. So people who have been set apart not just to remain on their own, but called to, as Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. So it's spreading that word. And as John Stevens pointed out recently when he preached on Matthew 28, we often think of that command to go and make disciples of all nations, to be a command to go and be missionaries overseas. But actually it's not just what it's about. It's also about going into the world. Um, Jesus was speaking to his disciples who were Jews uh, to say, go to the Gentiles, go to those who don't know God. So we have this dual purpose. We have a relationship with God, which we need to grow. And we've been looking at that recently, haven't we, in 2 Peter? And we have a responsibility to share the message of Jesus Christ with others. And a simple way of putting that, which other churches have adopted as their mission statement, is knowing Christ and making him known. Knowing Jesus more, making Christ known. And so coming back to the window, the six panes um, around the centre all reflect something of these two key aspects of knowing Christ and making him known. The top three there um, are caring, what it means to be 
a people of God who care for each other, show that love of God to each other. Um, worship, coming together with joy, with reverence, to focus on God's glory and depend on his strength in, in prayer. And learning, knowing God better through his word, seeking to apply what we learn by the Holy Spirit working within us. So the top three are on knowing Christ and the bottom three on making him known, mission, evangelizing, equipping and enabling. Now we could spend a whole sermon on each one of these very easily, but this morning we're going to be focusing on um, those bottom three, looking not so much at what we are already doing, but at what we could be doing. Because if we're comfortable with where we are at, and don't think we need to change anything, then we won't have a vision, we won't have a sense of where we're going, what we need to do better. So let's um, take a look at, look at our vision for mission. And we're going to do that by starting with the question, what are our mission fields? What are our mission fields? And for what we were saying just now, the basic mission field is the world around us. All those who don't know Jesus Christ, whether they be atheists, agnostics, followers of other religions. And in this country, we live on the doorstep of a huge mission field. Probably about 95% of this country don't know Christ as their saviour. And what I felt a call into full-time ministry was while uh, I was working out in Brazil, as many of you will know, in banking. But I could have stayed in Brazil and thought, well, this is what we normally do when we're called into to, to ministry, particularly when you're overseas, you, you go and serve as a, ministry, a missionary overseas. But for me, I knew the spiritual need was far greater in this country than it was in Brazil. Yes, people here still live by Christian values, but there are fewer and fewer people who understand the gospel or have even read the Bible. And being a pastor in Long Crendon is, on the one hand, a, a lovely job to have because it's a lovely church with a great bunch of people. It's wonderful being here. It's a nice place to live. It's a pretty village. Uh, there are some lovely places in this country. But it's a hard place to do mission because of the gods of pride, of status, of materialism, which are all around us. People are blind to their need for Christ. And there are a lot of places in this country which are uh, socially deprived, which um, are much more needy, much more challenging in that respect. But where there is also a greater openness to the gospel and in some ways an easier place to do mission. But God has placed us in this particular part of the country at this time. So what should we be doing in terms of mission? Well, first let's try and understand the different types of mission field for us at uh, LCBC so that we can understand how best to deploy our resources. The first one of those is um, the village of Long Crendon. You know, Baptists have been worshipping in this particular building since the, beginning, uh, since the middle of the 19th century. Um, I think today 45% of our members still come from the village. And when it comes to the midweek activities, that's probably a much higher percentage. It's a relatively large church for the size of the village, and so some may say, well, surely the work here is done. But if you think there are maybe 150 people um, from the village who come to the church and some more who go to St. Mary's out of a population of two and a half, three thousand in the village, there's still an awful lot of work to be done. 
the surrounding towns and villages. 55% come from surrounding towns and villages. In some places like Tame, there is already a strong evangelical witness. In other places, there may be very little. And those of you who choose to come here, as opposed to going to your local church, will have different reasons for doing that. But I'm sure whatever those reasons are, you will still have a heart for the lost where you live. You will still want to reach out to the people in your local area. And as a church, we need to help you to be able to do that. Because there is a serious risk that when we attend a church somewhere else than where we live, that we lose that sense of impetus to reach out to those who live around us. Thirdly, our workplaces and social networks. People from this church work all over the place. They'll commute to to Oxford, to um, Milton Keynes, to to London. People will travel quite a lot, uh, often overseas. Um, For many of you, much of your week is spent in the presence of um, those who live nowhere near Long Crendon and are therefore not likely to come to an event here, let alone come to a Sunday service. We may also have friends who are not Christians who live all over the place. Um, uh, Our contact with them may be through Facebook or other social networking uh, uh, sites. How do we reach out to them? And finally, the UK and the world. There are parts of this country, there are parts of the world where there is no gospel witness. And as a local church, the direct impact we can have may be limited, but we still do have a role to play. It's still important to send people out. It's still important to contribute resources and support to the gospel work in the wider mission field. So how can we then do mission in these different fields? If those are the fields, how does the role of the church vary according to the different situation? And this is where the the bottom three panels come in, which we can look at um, uh, one by one now. The first of those is by evangelising. If you go on to the next uh, slide, please, uh, Norman. Actually, I think if you carry on, this should come up um, a little bit further on. Now, it might help here just to explain what we mean by evangelising or evangelism. There's a useful definition that uh, John Stott uses in his book, The The Living Church, which I very much uh, recommend. And that is this. He says it's um, to make known by word and deed the love of the crucified and risen Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit so that people will repent, believe and receive Christ as their Saviour and obediently serve him as their Lord in the fellowship of his church. A comprehensive statement, but a great definition of what evangelism is. Now, just to make clear, evangelism and evangelical come from the same root, um, evangel, which means good news. But evangelical describes who we are, those who trust in that good news, as it's proclaimed in the Bible. And evangelism describes what we do as spreading that good news so we can be evangelical and evangelistic. Now, how can we do that more effectively than we are now? If we can actually go back a couple of slides, Norman, that'd be... Um, what I guess we mostly do as a church is rely on evangelistic events to which we um, invite our friends, we'll have meals, um, we'll have a quiz night, and a speaker will give a gospel talk. That's a great way to, to make Christ known, 
it's no reason why we shouldn't continue to do that. And uh, with better facilities, we should be able to do it even more effectively. But that's not the only way. And we're probably over-reliant on that particular way of proclaiming the gospel. In verse 12 of 1 Peter, if you've got that, that passage there, 1 Peter 2, verse 12, it says, Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. I think the problems we, we've experienced with um, direct neighbours here and the, the planning process for the, the building project were probably meant by God to teach us some important lessons about how we relate to those around us. There was recently um, a business that wanted to come and um, build a waste recycling plant in the village. And the village very quickly mobilised to, to resist it. Big bad business. And the approach of the Baptist church is... Um, probably been quite similar. It's easy, isn't it, to attack a, an institution, particularly when it's a faceless institution. It's much harder to say something unkind about people who you know, uh, people you respect. And part of our vision for the church should be that the, the Baptist church is not a, a derogatory term, but becomes a term of, of endearment. You know, so it says here that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. We will change the perception of the church as people see us do good deeds. But the question is, how do they see us do those good deeds? Because we're probably not as visible in this community as we maybe like to think we are. Now, those who come to one of the many groups or events that we, we put on, those who come to Toybox or Spectrum or Contact, the the holiday club, the quiz night, etc., etc. They will have experienced the, the warmth. They'll have seen our desire to, to serve. And that is um, a great way of, of letting people know who we are. And uh, people won't have a problem with us. They'll see that. They'll respect us. And that is where the building project has a very important role to play. But we can't just expect people to come to us. We also need to go to where they are. In July, one of the, the home groups is going to be doing the, uh, the three peaks, which means uh, climbing the three highest peaks in the England, Scotland and Wales in 24 hours. I was quite flattered that they asked me whether I wanted to join them. I was tempted for a moment, but uh, common sense prevailed. Now, they're planning to raise money for a, a local charity, so they went down to the Citizens Advice Bureau and inquired, what are the needs in this local area? Some of those that came up were this. People who don't know where their next meal is coming from, either because of a failure of the benefits system or because of an event in their lives which has catapulted them into debt. And there's a lag between receiving benefits and having money. Local carers, some of whom are even schoolchildren, struggling to care for disabled or, or ill parents and relatives. And another one is... It was interesting that whilst the system is fairly good at looking after children and older people, there are those in the middle who um, are often the hardest group to, to reach, those in their 20s to 40s who may be crippled by debt, struggling with depression. How do we help them? As a church, we need to think more about how we can get involved in the community and express our faith 
through deeds as well as words. But it's not just about doing good deeds. It's also about the way we behave, the way we relate to those around us and to each other. To be a holy nation is to be an attractive community. 1 Peter 3, Peter also writes, in verse, um, verse 8 of 1 Peter 3, Finally, all of you live in harmony with one another, be sympathetic, love as brothers, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil, or insult with insult, but with blessing, because to this you are called, so that you may inherit a blessing. Now, it's in that context that uh, a few verses later on, Peter carries on, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. And what it's saying here is that as people see the way in which we relate to each other, the way in which we cope with setbacks, injustices, as they see our moral behaviour, our values, our priorities they may be prompted to ask us about our faith. What is the the reason for the hope you have? What is it that makes you different? Why do you do this? Why do you do that? People may often dismiss our intellectual arguments, but will find it hard to resist the compelling witness of the Christian community. Now, of course, the question is, how do we do that? How do we make it possible for them to see uh, the gospel being lived out in our lives? As Martin was saying earlier, how do we enable them to look through the window and see the church community. Well, we need to be sharing our lives together in such a way that we don't have to invite them, first of all, to a church service. That may be totally alien to people, but we can at least invite them into our lives. We may be doing things together as a group where they can see us as Christians behaving with one another, having meals together and other such things. And this idea of being community is not just relevant for Long Crendon. Who are the other Christians where you live? Who are the other Christians where you work? In the clubs in which you, you go to? Team up with them. Pray for your area. Pray for your, your workplace. Pray for your social club. There are a number of people who come to this church who are also actively involved in their local church. There's the Savals in the Towersy. There's the Turners and, and Beryl in the Horton. Liz Wickens, who runs the, uh, the Holiday Club in Wheatley. There's one of the home groups that meets in uh, Little Milton and includes uh, members from Stadhampton in that area. And it may be that these groups form the nucleus of a, a church plant in the future. Who knows? Well, so far we've been looking at how we can together as a community be a powerful force for the gospel. But as believers, we're also individually called to witness to Christ through our lives. And having said in verse 12, to live such good lives among the pagans that they may see your good deeds and glorify God, Peter goes on in those next verses, you look at verse 13 to verse 25 of chapter 2, to look at what that looks like in terms of submission to the authorities, and what it looks like in the workplace, in this case slaves submitting to their masters, what it looks like in the family, Uh, where wives can win over their husbands without words, but by the purity of their behaviour. All individual examples of how we can witness to Christ. So the question here then is, what role should the church play 
in helping us in our personal witness. And that's where the answer is equipping, that second one uh, on the bottom. As a church, we need to have a vision for equipping each other to be powerful tools for the gospel in our different situations. And there are several ways in which we can do that. Um, we can help each other be able to live more distinctive lives of grace. Because the more that we do that, the more powerful will be our witness. And we need to be accountable to one another as we do that. We need to meet and pray for each other and share our concerns, our challenges. We should be encouraging each other to be involved in the lives of others. Let me just give you some suggestions uh, how we can do that from the, from the book Everyday Church about how we can be missional without overloading our already busy schedules. A few suggestions here. Inviting people around for a meal. doesn't have to be a big dinner party. Invite people around for supper. Walk rather than drive. Then you'll bump into people inevitably, particularly you dog lovers. Um, almost worth getting a dog for that very reason, isn't it? Almost. But, um, be a regular. Go to the same shops. Go to the same hairdressers, the same pubs. Get to know the staff. Get to know the people who go there. Join social clubs, you know, whether it's sport or music or art or whatever is your thing. You know, we can't set up clubs for everything in the church. It's great that uh, Jill's doing a spectrum group for those art lovers. We can't do everything here. We need to also join clubs around. Talk to your colleagues at work. I know it sounds pretty obvious, isn't it? But uh, very tempting probably to keep your head down. Um, get involved in their lives. Find out what is going on. Volunteer to help out with a local organisation. Could be uh, the library, parish council, PTA. Could be street pastors. Take part in community events. So there's a great opportunity coming up, isn't there, with the Jubilee, all sorts of things going on. I'm sure wherever you live, there are, are things that you can go along to and mix with other people. And finally, just help your neighbours. You know, I'm sure there'll be those who need help, who are not able to do things as well as you might be able to. Um, help your neighbours. If we are to impact the communities in which we live and work, we need to play an active role. Encouraging each other, though, to be involved in the lives of others means supporting each other in prayer, means telling each other about what is going on. Um, we can do that with prayer partners, and prayer triplets. We can do that in our home groups, in the church prayer meeting. Um, many different opportunities. Equipping also, I think, means helping us be able to explain what we believe and why we believe it. Helping each other answer some of those, some of those tough, tough questions which may come up. And as we do that, we will feel more confident in our own faith, as well as helping others understand what we believe. Equipping and uh, finally, um, enabling. How do we influence the wider area, the nation, the world? These are areas where we can't get actively involved, but we can play an important role through prayer, through financial support, through sending people out. Now, in the UK, that can mean supporting um, uh, London City Mission. It can mean supporting FIC in their efforts to plant new churches, to train new pastors. It means sharing resources with other churches, maybe churches locally like Winslow and Buckingham who need pastors or need preachers. Overseas, it will mean supporting our 
Our missionaries mean sending teams to places like Romania, as we're doing this summer. In the same way that um, mountaineers attempting to, to climb Everest depend on the team at base camp, so missionaries who may feel very lonely on the mission field can feel that sense of um, joining with the, the base camp, knowing there are people there praying for them, supporting them. Tremendous encouragement. But when we talk about vision in relation to mission, we have to ask ourselves at the end of the day, what is it that we want to see happen from all this? Because on the one hand, it's we want to see unbelieving people become committed followers of Jesus Christ. But what does that mean? Well, it means we want to see people converted. And if we're honest, not much of our growth at Long Crendon Baptist Church comes from conversion. A lot of it comes from Christians moving into the, the area. So let's not um, yeah, become too complacent because numbers are good, that um, we're achieving our mission purpose of seeing people come to faith. But it's not just conversion, is it? Because Ephesians 1 says this. It says, And God placed all things under Christ's feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. God's purpose is not to see a king rule over a bunch of individuals, but a king rule over a united people, a church with whom he will spend the rest of eternity. And so our goal is not just that we see people come to faith, but we see them become part of a thriving church family in which they can grow in their faith, in which they can be supported and encouraged and in which they belong. Now, it doesn't really matter where that is. Some of that will happen here in Long Crendon, which is why we need more space to, uh, to welcome people into this church. It may be more appropriate they go to the church locally to where they live. If it's a work colleague who doesn't live in this area, then um, we need to be able to find a church to which they can be linked up with. We need to help people belong. And finally, before we finish, as we think of that, that goal, where does the building project fit into all this? Well, three brief ways. It's a tool, firstly, for evangelism. It's a place where we can hold events, activities, where people can come and find out about Jesus Christ. And hopefully it'll be more welcoming, more accessible, more available. Secondly, it's a place for equipping. For equipping Christians for personal witness, to send them out, to encourage them. It's a base for equipping. And finally, it's a spiritual home where new believers can be welcomed, where they can be discipled, and where they feel they belong. We exist to know Christ and to make him known. And we've talked a lot about this morning about vision and strategy, but ultimately... The greatest thing we need is a passion for Christ and a compassion for others. Let me leave you with the words from Matthew 9. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. May we have that same compassion. Let's have a moment of quiet just to reflect on 
what we've heard and speak to God about it, ways in which...